Welcome to another episode of Anime Autopsy. We are at episode 11, and this starts our Tokyo Ghoul, season one, part one. So I'm Alex, that's Tori, and we're now introducing a new co-host. Say hello, Brandon. And I'm Brandon. There he is. So some housekeeping notes up front. Intro, outro song is I Just Want to Be Great by Nefex. Join the Facebook group. Link is in bio. Take a second to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or wherever you listen to us on, whatever platform that you prefer. Leave us a voicemail. That way we can do that voicemail episode in the future. Link is in the bio as well. And our new logo was made by Brandon from Blue Ring Media. Brandon, you want to tell us, plug us a uh, little Blue Ring Media stuff? The most recent video we came out with was the Speakeasy video, um, Medicate, if you want to look it up on YouTube highly suggest it it's really good and but we do a wide variety of uh, music videos photography audio visuals uh, lyric videos and things of the like um, mainly working in 3d software like blender and uh, working our way towards being able to composite people into 3d environments um, and I, i've got a pretty good crew and this is the longest intro that you'll get for this <laughs> here on out but um, but for all of your art needs all inquiries yeah. all the contact information to reach out to Brandon is always going to be in the bio I mean from music videos lyric videos audio visual like audio visuals like everything like don't you do um, wedding photography type of stuff too yeah so we offer wedding packages and uh, I've got a wedding that we're doing at the end of the year uh, very excited for it because between now and the end of the year, I have enough time to master my new lenses and camera that I'm getting tomorrow. God, that camera um, looks so sick too. I it's going to so be great. We need to do a weeb wedding. A weeb wedding? Please do. Oh, I swear. Yes. That would and be the coolest fucking thing. I will donate this to somebody, you know, on the groomsmen or something. Hell yeah. That would be dope as hell. <laughs> Not to keep putting you on the spot, but Brandon did pick our series. Uh, he did pick Tokyo Ghoul for us as his, uh, I don't know, his icebreaker to the his to the debut. podcast. Yeah. What a, what a first, you know, like what a first thing to talk about. I, I will <laughs> thank you because most of the names in the show are not that hard for me to pronounce. Uh, they're yeah. they're kind of easy or I can make them easy. Um but I have to admit, there's so much more went into like my research and notes. Like my notes are three times as long as Demon Slayer and Inuyasha for a fact. Yeah, these all of these episodes are stacked with like layers of story and you know small things that really like put you in the it immerses you in the the show. I mean, it's really written like a live action TV show or a movie where there are multiple things happening at the same time also. Yeah. So it's so in-depth and kind of easy to get lost in if you don't make a lot of notes for the for the episodes. But they're so detailed. And like the one thing that really stood out on this rewatch there was the audio. The audio in this show is incredible. It's like the background music. These like every bit of sound in the show is on purpose and phenomenal. Like next time you watch an episode, just pay attention to it. It's fuck. It's a beautiful show, and the artwork's great too. Our right, episode one is titled "Tragedy." An ordinary college student named Kaneki encounters Rize, a girl who is a avid reader like him, at the cafe he frequents. Little does he realize that his fates will change overnight. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dude, the first time I watched this episode, completely caught me off guard. Completely. I had no idea what was going to happen. Dude, it was nuts. Um, I think the the best twist, so the episode starts off, you know, with Kaneki. He's in a coffee shop and, you know, he's like, his friend Hide is like, hey, who's that chick over there? And that's where we meet Toka. And then it just, it's a normal anime up until he goes on his date. 
See, that's what I thought too. Whenever I rewatch this episode, the episode starts off with that helicopter view, uh, where it shows what we will come to know as Rize and Jason kind of duking it out a bit. So it's kind of like, oh, cool. This is kind of like a heavy tone. And then it immediately, right after that, shoots this super positive fucking butterfly f- flowers upbeat scene with Hide and um and Kaneki. And it's like, it, it does everything it can do to throw you off the path of what's gonna happen in the middle of the episode. <laughs> so like you said, um, we do get to that scene in the coffee shop. Very different, very lively. There's plenty of colors, you know, you think, I don't know, like a super Japanese fancy Starbucks or something. Um, the name of the coffee shop is Anteku, and it's almost a character in itself in the show, I think. But uh, him and his buddy, they're basically talking about, you know, what else girls, teenagers are going to talk about girls in particular. There is a girl that Ken has got a crush on, which turns out to be... Uh, this super upbeat, positive girl named Rize. And holy shit, does that change very soon. <laughs> she looks older than a teenager. She does. Just, just going to put that out there. But you know what? I think that's a pretty common thing in, in anime is they don't give a shit about age. <laughs> think about it. Inuasha. Um, hey, it? they were set in feudal Japan. Age had no limit there. <laughs> okay. 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 It wasn't illegal. They I were guess. marrying 14 year olds. It's different. <laughs> All right, I won't throw them under the bus, but they're they're just a good example. Oh There's like a three thousand year old man in Iwasha dating Kagome, a sixteen year old girl. He's only five hundred years old. What? Shomaru is two thousand. He's got great pubes, nonetheless. <laughs> they're white. <laughs> I'm sure the carpet matches the drapes. I hope oh so. Oh my god. Um, wow. wow, sidetracked. Um, get off of gray pubes, white pubes. Anyways, sorry. um, yeah, like you said, Rize's upbeat and she reads, um, the same books that you know, Kaneki reads very conveniently. Coincidence, <laughs> you know, I think not. <laughs> I think I literally put it in all caps. Where is it at in my notes? Uh, so. Uh, Kaneki <laughs> gets a date with Rize. Uh, they go out to eat. It's been made very obvious that Rize did not touch her food. And at this point, we don't really know what, you know, why that's something, unless you like, you go back and watch it. But they make it very obvious that she did not touch her food. It made me mad. That's wasteful. <laughs> I'm on a diet. Then why'd you order it? There's starving kids in Africa. See, like, honestly, my first watch through is like, oh, is she anorexic or something? Because, like, she immediately goes to powder her nose. I'm like, she's about to go throw up that one bite she took. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Rize, it's it's uh, not that kind of anime. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably out there, though. No in Japan. Uh, yeah. But uh, Rize asked Ken to walk her home due to the current ghoul activity, which uh, hints back to what we saw at the beginning of the episode. Uh, so all of that's kind of happening in the area that she lives in. And in my notes, I say something is up in all caps. Yeah. And then that next scene, what, what happens in that next scene? Chomps his fucking neck. <laughs> Rize's a ghoul and she's a Thank fucking you. psycho. Yeah. She said, numb. She chomped that thing, but, uh, she gets Ken's shoulder, uh, as, Something sprouts out of her back. I don't think they ever... I couldn't pinpoint when they ever go into detail as to like um, like Kagunes and, and all this stuff, but it's yeah. called a Kagune. Do you want to kind of enlighten everybody on what a Kagune is? It's like, it's like a tail, I guess, that comes... I don't know. I guess the way that they describe it in the show is like it's an organ. Yeah. It's like a ghoul's predatory organ and it like it comes out of their back. I know that in the manga they all sort of look the same, but in the show, most characters in the show have different colors and versions of Kagane's to kind of you know yeah. signify the differences in, in characters. But we kind of cut to black, then there's this weird acid trip scene uh where Ken and Rize are floating around naked or something. It was 
super weird. And then Ken wakes up. Uh, he opens his eyes, and it's revealed to the viewers that he was one. Oh, before that, I guess we should explain what happened. Um, a bunch of. I was like, you skipped a whole part. Yeah, I skipped oh, yeah. the whole part. My bad. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. As yeah. they were fighting, or he was. I guess getting the shit beat out of him. A bunch of yeah. still beams and stuff fell on top of them, uh, killing Rize. And he wakes up in the hospital and um, they basically used her ghoul organs to save his life. Did they give him a uterus? Mm, because he cries so not. fucking much. I'm sorry. He does cry a lot, but I will say, as someone who hates that in a main character in anime, and you know that. I, oh, I, I know. I fucking hate a crybaby uh, anime main person. He does not stay that way for long. Thank God, because I swear the first three episodes is just him crying every ten minutes about something. There, There is a clear, hard switch. Uh, I think that they happens. gave him her uterus. He is very emotional. Maybe, he's PMSing. Uh, he's... Um, I don't know. It's, he completely changes. Yeah. Like 100% 180 turn from who he was. And this is a relatively short series. Um, all three, the first two seasons are only 12 episodes long. So yeah, it's a, the, like they, it's a very short series. There's so the switch. Seasons? Yeah. There's only three. It's yeah. relatively new still within like the last handful of years. So have both of y'all watched the entire series? I have. She hasn't. She, oh, yeah. She's watched up this until episode 10. completely new to me. Oh, yeah. So, what do you think about it so far? I like it. Um, I don't think I fully, like, am committed just yet, but I do like it. What's your favorite parts about it? And what, what, what do you hate? I don't necessarily hate anything. Um, I just think Tukiyama is a predator. A child predator. He's a pedophile. And, uh... <laughs> Who's other Kiyama? than that, yeah, I just really like Toka. She's I fucking love Skiyama. I know he's super creepy, oh, yeah. but he's it's so like creepy. He, he gives off. He does. He was like, he's my favorite. I was like, he, he, why? He gives off child fucking vibes. He he truly does. Uh, but he he's, he's only obsessed with wanting to eat Kaneki. So eat. There the there are some episodes in season three that we'll get into eventually. And it gets fucking weird with Tsukiyama. <laughs> it's so weird, so weird. Uh, so since we're on the subject of Tsukiyama, so there are like different kinds of ghouls in their society, right? Mm -hmm. So they have uh, just regular ghouls that just eat people. And they have gourmets, which... That's what he is. Yeah. Right. They eat the finer of people. They when they uh, refer to the gourmet, they're usually talking about Skiyama. Yeah, I kind of gathered that. Yeah, but we're off topic of the first episode. This will happen all <laughs> this the time. This will happen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're adding a, a third person into this shit. Oh, it's yeah. gonna get super weird. But I mean, yeah, basically the notes are just a script. We can lean back. So Ken wakes up in the hospital. He opens up his eye, and it's revealed that. To the viewers, not not to him yet. To the viewers, we get to see that he has one regular eye and one red eye. And up until this point, a red and black eye. Up until this point, we haven't really seen ghouls in detail. So, like, obviously, as a viewer, we're like, well, something's fucking up. But we don't know exactly what. So, he, he additionally figures out that he cannot eat foods without getting sick. And the doctor tries to tell him, oh, you have just went through a super traumatic event. This happens all the time. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but that doctor looks super familiar. Is he from third season? I'm, I'm almost certain that he's the doctor from the third season. I think so. Which yeah, yeah, which makes a plot hole in season one totally fill in for me. because so, Yeah, that doctor is important yeah, okay. for the entire series. That's what I thought. I won't give it away to anybody who hasn't watched the series yet, but he comes back into, he comes back into importance. Oof. way later on and he is a fucking nutcase um <laughs> talk about mad scientist <laughs> yeah like the whole time i was watching the first season the first time i was like who in their right fucking doctor mind would just operate in somebody with a, their consent like that like uh, frankenstein from soul leader a, a teenager yes <laughs> he hasn't seen soul leader yet oh yeah you like he's probably that. seen bits of pizzas where i've watched it but i, I watched yeah. a few it's good. episodes I, it's I, good I, I don't remember anything but the art style. 
Oh, that was just super cool. Very different. It's very shonen jump type. But Ken, he get he's considered healthy and ready to go. He gets discharged by the doctor. He ends up having a, a mental breakdown. Uh, there's a scene in his room where Ken's watching an interview. Uh, he, he's he's still trying to eat, and then he's watching this interview where they're talking about the specifics of ghouls. So the show's kind of setting up what a ghoul is, what a ghoul can and cannot do, and one of the details is that ghouls cannot eat human foods uh, without getting violently sick. So he makes that connection right then and there, like, oh my God, am I a fucking ghoul? <laughs> and at this point, like, how the fuck has he not run into a ghoul by now? He's like 16 years old. They're running rampant all over Tokyo, Japan. It's the same gripe I've got with Demon Slayer, actually. How the fuck has he not run into a demon before being 16? I guess yeah. because whenever you're young, you're usually with your parents and your parents are wary of that kind of thing. Um, I guess, and they, he lives in the mountains in that show too, so like that makes more sense. Yeah, didn't they say in later episodes that there hadn't been as many attacks until recently? Yes, in their does, area, he does live in the ward that is relatively safe. That's yeah. probably why. So, like, until he, Rize came along, yeah, and then you know, got killed by Fuck some kid up. that she was trying to, you know. How embarrassing for her. <laughs> right? All the ways to die. Here's some construction material. Especially when you thought you were about to get a meal. But Ken does take a walk after this meltdown. Um, he's pretty much like in the middle of the road. And he's starting to have like fits of like basically a nick fit for some human flesh, basically. And he controls himself mid freakouts and... Um, Runs back home, and then he remembers that same broadcast talked about um, ghouls can't be injured by normal weapons. So, what's a boy to do but try to stab himself in the stomach? And it immediately shatters that kitchen knife. And um, so, that, that's kind of it. That, that right there, he's like, fuck, man, am I a ghoul? And uh, so the, as the viewers are like, yeah, no shit, buddy. You're a fucking <laughs> yeah. ghoul. Yeah, yeah, you are. But as um, Ken just kind of roams the streets again, he's just, I guess, in and out of his fucking apartment at this point. But he discovers an aroma in the air that he just cannot resist. And it turns out, as he's going down this alley, the smell that he cannot resist is a corpse. Uh, he comes up on a ghoul who is currently feasting on it. And I thought this was super nice of the ghoul because everything so far, like on that television uh, interview, with describing ghouls as like nasty, demonic, bad people. And this ghoul was like, oh, buddy, you haven't eaten in a long time, huh? Do you want to bite? I was like, that's super sweet. And then what happens? We get to meet uh, Nishiki yeah. as he kicks this motherfucker's head off. <laughs> he straight up kicks through mm. this dude's face. At that point, I was like, I must have something for kicks. Because Demon Slayer, as soon as uh, I saw that one kick uh, from um, shit, Nezuko. what's his Nezuko, I was like, "That's fucking dope." I'm in. You always want to be a soccer player. I think it all started with uh, who was it? Was it John Cena that kicked Randy Orton in the face? Oh, the punt, Randy. That was Randy Orton. He did the punt. Was it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't that, make me mad. <laughs> well, before that, if you guys have seen American History X, there's a pretty sick kick scene in that too. Oh yeah, true. Randy Orton will always be superior. Are you talking about the curb stomp? Yeah, the California smiley. Yeah. Woo! That's a fucking scene. That is wild. I was or, way too young to be watching that movie. <laughs> Probably me too. But yeah, back to the anime. But Nishiki, <laughs> um, so he's an asshole. Uh, he's choking out uh, Kaneki as he has this whole monologue speech about. You know, like, you're on my turf, this and that. And if I were to find a guy with his pants around his ankles around my girlfriend, and he said, oh, I'm not fucking your girlfriend. <laughs> would you think I would believe that guy? I was like, okay, touche. And you should believe him. He didn't have any blood on him from eating the dude. So wouldn't there be evidence if he was eating the guy? Literally, the only blood on Kaneki was from that dude's brains that he just kicked through. Exactly. That's it. But we get we get introduced to another mainstay character, Toka, as she mm -hmm. saves Kin. Uh, the episode kind of cliffhangs out there 
as Toka stuffs a piece of corpse into Ken's mouth and forces him to more or less eat it. And just as a side note, the outro song to the show is the fucking coolest. Is it copyright infringement if we play a little expert excerpt of it? I can maybe try to sort it out uh, through anchor.com. Maybe like a, a tiny excerpt, but there's like this baseline. It's fucking dope. It's so good. So favorite character from episode one. Just from episode one? Just from episode one. So I okay. think we we got, yeah, Toka, Toka. Kaneki, Hide, Rize, Nishiki, and dude who got his head kicked off. Yeah, for right now. There is a whole outro scene of like their super cheery cartoon outros on on these episodes of just that guy that got his head kicked through. <laughs> he was apparently a yoga teacher or some shit. I don't know, but um, he was doing great things. Okay. Yeah, I was hoping they would keep that up. And anybody who was more or less not important that died in the show, I wish they would do like a little stupid cartoon thing. Uh, my favorite character, I gotta go with Jason. Like, for one reason, he's interesting as shit, and it's super creepy to hear the same voice of All Might play a bad character. A sadistic son of a bitch, too. Oh, man, we didn't even talk about Jason. Well, he didn't have very much in this episode. He'll he'll come back into play, especially in the later episodes. But just as a little, um, I think this is in my notes at some point, somewhere down the road. Jason, his real name is something I probably can't pronounce. Let me see here. He's got a whole last name, but the reason they call him Jason, he's got a hockey mask. He's from the 13th Ward. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's a total homage to Friday the 13th. Yeah. As you know, the main guy wears a hockey mask. His name is Jason, and it's called Friday the 13th. So. And seeing that part really sets off, like, hey... This is a horror anime. Yeah. Yeah, they, they try their damnedest in this first episode to swerve you, and they fucking got me. They fucking got me bad. Because mm-hmm. as soon as she bit him, I was like, what? <laughs> episode two, Incubation. So Kaneki struggles to adapt with his new nature with no success until another ghoul, Nishiki Nishio, attempts to prey on his friend, Hideyoshi Nagachika. Um, and Hide. We're just going to call him Hide. Hide. That's his name. Uh, and, and he must fight to protect him. Episode two, it picks up right where episode one left off uh, in the alley with Toka and uh, Kaneki. Toka is pretty much stomping a mud hole in Kaneki as she has a pretty compelling speech about growing up from day one as a ghoul. She's basically like, oh, poor you. Now you're a ghoul. But, you know, me, I've had to live in the shadows since day one. Like, woe is me. Get fucked. But we have um, basically like right after that. uh, Let me see if I can pronounce this right. Enter Yoshimura or as the manager as I'll. Most people call him just the manager, which is what I'm going to call him. Um, He comes in. um, could also call him the spoiler version of his name. Yeah, let's not do that. Not just yet. <laughs> but uh, so manager, he's the manager of the coffee shop that from the first episode. It's called Onteku. He instructs Toka to bring Ken uh, to Onteku so that um, they're pretty much going to take him in. And she resistantly agrees to do so after basically telling him he's a bitch for about five minutes straight. Now she's going to pretty much take I him mean, in. I mean, is she wrong? No. She's not wrong. No. That's just I very mean, true. I, I would have a foul, you know, perspective on humans if I if I grew up as a ghoul too. So, let's just talk about how wholesome Yoshimura is. Dude. He's, he's like a sweet old grandpa. <laughs> he is like the coolest. Like, if I had a dad like that guy... That would be like the idea, like father figure right there. He is like full of wisdom. He's powerful as shit. Like he could put anyone in their spots and we'll mm-hmm. see this later in the series, but he's always so like even headed and everything. He's the dopest, but uh, we do get to find out. So like 
Kaneki's issue is that, you know, he can't eat anymore. So like, and he doesn't want to eat humans. So, but ghouls can drink coffee for whatever reason uh, without getting sick. And additionally, they can add these little cubes uh, to satisfy their hunger. What's in those cubes? I don't know. Corpse cubes? Yeah. I don't understand why they can I th- drink coffee. I think it's corpse cubes. But the reason why I have it in my head canon for why they can drink coffee and not uh, eat human food is because they're like, what tastes good and what's bitter got mm-hmm. switched. Hmm. So like whatever tastes good is better now and whatever was better tastes good now. That's true. How does it not make them sick? I don't know why it doesn't make them sick. They probably explained that at some point and I just fucking it went over my head. <laughs> but um for whatever I, reason they can drink coffee does not make them sick whatsoever and they it, it looks like sugar cubes uh that they spend in their coffee but it's from my understanding it's corpse cubes. It'd be like a it's, bouillon cube but it's <laughs> blood instead of, you know, beef broth or chicken. So where can we find a way to make ice cubes that look like this? I think I have a bar drink. Oh, the, <laughs> the, oh my God. Uh, the, the take you special or on take yeah. special. Yeah, we should do that. That'd we should totally awesome. do that. We just need to figure out something like brown ish to freeze into ice cubes to make it look the color. That'd be sick. Maybe like spiced rum. <gasps> That's it. <laughs> Spiced rum. Ooh, or Kahlua. Both. Fuck it. Spiced rum and Kahlua, so it's brown and kind of milky. There you go. There's your, your cream for your coffee also. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, next scene shows the manager and Toka talking. It's revealed here that um, when saving Kaneki's life, they used organs from Rize's body to do so. And it's the first time that the manager has encountered the situation where there is a human body with ghoul organs. So uh, whenever taking them in, it's kind of a double thing for him because, one, it's kind of their whole mission is to take in people who cannot fend for themselves and also kind of watch over him because he has no idea what's going to happen with the science experiment. Like, it could go horribly wrong. Or it could be super strong, so why would you want that super strong person mixed in with anybody else but your own clique? Yeah, so with regards to the reason why the implant was done, um, we don't find out the specific reason, but it's initially stated that the doctor was not able to get consent from anybody because Kaneki doesn't have a mother at this point in his life. Uh, so he just made the decision as the doctor to implant the organ from the dying girl into him. And on paper, it looks like Rize wasn't a ghoul. Right. So it's not a lawsuit. It was kind of mm-hmm. the perfect the perfect storm because uh, Kaneki... Both of his parents are dead. They, they died at, at an early age. So there was no consent. Who the fuck knows what the laws are in Japan? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was kind of the perfect storm. And we'll kind of figure out, we'll have a little bit more light shined on that. It kind of just stops there as far as details go. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, we don't really get into any more details, especially about the doctor until season three. Yeah. So that is the last time you'll hear about him until... Yeah, they kind of just drop it right there. Like they never yeah. really go back until like way later on. But just know later on in the series, the the doctor will be spoken of again. I didn't get that. Could you try again? Okay. <laughs> Shut the fuck <laughs> up, Siri. <laughs> I think that was racist, Siri. <laughs> she said, I didn't get that. Try again. Oh my God. God. Um, but I, God damn it. I put Chin instead of Kaneki in my notes because it was just easier to type out in, yeah. in a sprint. It's really fucking me up. I watched it in Japanese, so... Oh, fuck. My ADHD <laughs> will not allow that. Um, Kaneki tries to go back to school. Um, there's like this repetitive thing where he's continually trying to do normal human stuff. 
just by like, you know, like, I guess like you would do the same thing, right? Like try to act normal. Like if you could not be a regular human, just by nature, you're probably going to try to keep acting like a normal human. But he tries to go back to school and it doesn't take long for Hide to hunt him down for a bear hug. There's like a cool scene where it kind of flashes back to where he's explaining that Hide's never changed even from when they were kids. But uh, Hide needs something from his classmates. Um, I don't think it reveals who it is just yet, but um, they get to this person's dorm, I guess, and it's Nishiki, and that's the same guy who was trying to choke out Kaneki in the end of episode one. So Don's on Kaneki as they walk into the room that that's the same dude that tried to kill him. Nishiki claims that he doesn't have uh, Hide's stuff that he needs there at his dorm, so he offers to go to his house, and um, I guess they're kind of both thinking the same thing in the scene. So Kaneki thinks he's trying to lure Hide into a dark alley to eat him, and then Nishiki thinks that Kaneki is trying to do the same thing to Hide. It's like this, like this weird clash. Um, but basically, they get to a point where they're walking towards that house, and what does Nishiki do? He kicks the dog shit out of Hide, knocks him out down the alley, and they have a, a confrontation with each other. This dude's got a thing for kicks, and I'm all about it. Dude, let me tell you, at first, I really fucking hated Nishiki. <laughs> me too. I did not like him whatsoever. He's kind of just a hothead. He yells yeah. a lot. He's just sort of just annoying. Hide did not reserve, or he did not deserve that. Hide did not deserve that. Dude, I love Hide so much. And like the show breaks my heart in multiple times yes. throughout the series. And don't ruin it. No, I'm not ruining anything, but I'm just saying this show knows exactly how to pull at your heartstrings. Oh yeah. Like Yeah, that's true. I ended up crying one episode. Well, think about it. Like, um, I don't know, what's a show that that does that really good? It gets you Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan, yeah, they'll get you mm-hmm. really close to a character, and like as soon as you start having like an attachment to a character, that's your first red flag. Game of Thrones, yeah, maybe back off a little bit. Don't get too attached. But Ken has a meltdown about um, like there's um, let's see here. Oh, here's a bit of information. So Nishiki is about to kill Hide. Ken flips a switch and comes after Nishiki. He's basically kind of activating the Rize side of him like the ghoul side of him Nishi's uh, spreading his Kagune for the first time or not Nishi but Ken does uh, Kaneki sprouts his Kagune for the first time and it's the same Kagune as Rize so with him getting her organs uh, the since the Kagune is attached to a ghoul organ he gets the same one that she had and there's this funny scene where he kicks the dog shit out of Nishiki and his head gets trapped in between two metal beams. And he realizes Oof. that, what the fuck? That's Rize's Kagune. Because if we go back, Rize is the one who kicked Nishiki out of that uh, out of his territory. So he, he would know more than anybody what her Kagune looks like. True. I mean, it, as far as it, Nishiki knowing Rize, I, it's not really clear how they know each other, I guess, in the first place. Uh, unless I missed something whenever I was watching it, but there's a mild, there's a very small comment whenever um, Toka is kicking the dog shit out of him at the end of episode one, where it's mm-hmm. like, "You, this is not your territory. You were too weak." And I think she like name drops Rize a little bit. I don't think they go into like too much detail, but it's implied that he got kicked out of that territory because Rize uh, overpowered him. It's like, I gotcha, bitch. Yeah, I mean, what a bitch. <laughs> Kaneki has a meltdown. This is like, he has a lot of meltdowns. I, I can understand why you think that he's a bitch so far. But uh, he has a meltdown. He's resisting, he's trying to resist eating Hide. Um, Toka shows up, steps in, and then blackout. And then we're suddenly back at Onteku recovering. Uh, while knocked out, uh, they fed Kaneki a bit, I guess. So he's like calmed down. We're introduced to the first class ghoul investigator. All right, let me inhale real quick. Corio Mato. And Corio I will be, Mato. I will be referring to him as Wild Eyes from here on out. Wild and, Eyes. Because um, he's got some fucking janky eyes. One's always wider than the other. 
And yes, first class ghoul investigator, uh, Kuro Aman. Kotaro? Kotaro. 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 Uh, they find Jason's finger cutters, those little metal clamps from episode one, as they investigate that same area. Um, that's kind of like a mild introduction to them, and we're going to get more into them in episode three. So, any closing notes on episode two? It was solid. Uh, it had me going from, like, as soon as I watched the first episode, and then I wanted to watch the second, so I watched the second one, and it immediately made me want to watch the third. So, it's definitely one that's easily binged. Oh, for sure. This was definitely a cardio show for me. As soon as, like, I'll do, like, cardio, put on an anime, and I remember multiple times watching the series, especially uh, this first season, doing an hour of cardio on accident, just watching the show. Like, it's just so fucking solid. Everything about this show. All right, episode three, Duff. After saving his friend, Kaneki is taken by the manager, Antoka, uh, the ghouls who run the bar at Onteko, who teach him to blend in to human society while hiding his true nature. However, another ghoul, Tsukiyama, approaches him with unknown intentions. That kind of gives the whole fucking episode away, doesn't it? Unknown intentions. He wants to touch his pee-pee. He does come across as the fucking rapey type, but he just wants to eat him. That's it. Okay? Well, he could go about it a different way besides... You better stop uh-huh. picking on Tsukiyama. He's just eccentric. <laughs> he is not eccentric. <laughs> he is a way he is so well, fucking well above, weird. Well above eccentric. He is He's so got fucking problems. Weird. I'm so glad that in later episodes they come back to him. He has got a fucking wild ride in, in season three. I bet he does. Dude, it's fucking weird. <laughs> But he is key to the series. You may not believe it right now. He is key to the series working. Um, so Jason's full name is Yakumo Omari. Oh. Omori. But they never, ever say that. They always refer to him as Jason. Um, Jason is threatening a doctor at the beginning of this series or at the beginning of this episode for some reason. It's not really explained why. Uh, just yet. Uh, Kent is officially working at the coffee shop at this point. So they've taken him in. I don't know if he's exactly living there, but he is working there. We get our first hint. Um, Hide obviously knows more than he's letting on. There's that one scene, it may be in this episode or maybe in the last, where Hide is recovering. And as the manager and Connor here talking about ghoul stuff openly, uh, they're in the doorway of Hide. They think that he's passed out, and as they close his door, he opens his eyes. So it's like, he knows some shit. We just don't know how much he he does know. But that's our first hint that, she, that he does. Uh, so that doctor's family uh, seeks refuge at the coffee shop um, from Jason. So this is Mrs. Fugushi? Fugushi? I don't know how to say that. And then their Fugushi. daughter, uh, Hinami? Hinami. Yeah, Hinami. Um, so they're seeking refuge from uh, Jason and his bullshit. And the next scene kind of shows us uh, the f- the first inner workings of CCG. Uh, they're about to ramp up their ghoul investigation with the rising ghoul activity. So the CCG is basically the the task force that is responsible for anything and everything ghoul. So, but what does it stand for? CCG. So CCG stands for Commission of Counter Ghoul. Oh my god, I sort of want to do Halloween or cosplay as a dove, but like a uh, season three dove uniform, the the super white outfits. Next scene shows the manager asks Kaneki to help Yomo go food shopping, quote unquote. Uh, it explains that the coffee shop helps schools that are unable to hunt eats without, you know, hurting humans. So anybody who is in need that can't hunt for whatever reason, the coffee shop makes sure that they are taken care of. Uh, they drive out to the site where people often commit suicide for whatever reason, and they use those bodies for food. So they're not going out killing people in cold blood murder or anything like that. They're finding resources and ways to find bodies that are not outright just murdering people. True. 
What do you guys think of um, Yomo? Who's Yomo? He is the guy with the long hair. He's the one who uh, takes Kaneki out to get that, grab that body at the, the bottom he of the hill. He looks cool, but um, he's pretty quiet. He is super quiet for the whole series. Wait until you see him fight, though. Whenever he's like in a That's legit what I fight. See. He, he kicks that shit to 11. I'll show you a picture of him whenever he's souped up in a fight. He looks fucking sick. He is great. Uh, Yomo is like the, I don't know, the best way I could describe him would be Daryl from Walking Dead. Yeah. As a a ghoul. So he's got an interesting backstory that they'll get into eventually with Uda, the mask maker. So like they go back a, a long way. He's cool. I fucking love him. I like him a lot. The mask maker is one of my yeah. favorite characters. Dude. Yeah, they, they've got a backstory that they get into eventually. They kind of talk yeah. about it at the bar in one I of these episodes. I can't say anything about the later stuff with Uta, but the as as you meet him in this episode, it's definitely a good thing he's on your side. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Toka is instructed to take Kaneki to have his mask made, speaking of. Uh, reason being is that with the doves, they've made the presence known in their ward. So up until this point, until really, we could point at Rize for all this bullshit, really, mm-hmm. with her overeating. Like she <laughs> kicks all this off and then just goes and dies by some still beams. <laughs> She's just like, all right, deal with it. But yeah, uh, the doves are kind of moving in on their ward. So the manager feels like it's a good idea for Kaneki to go ahead and go get his mask made uh, just in case. So ghouls, obviously, they use these masks to conceal their identity. So, you know, just in case someone walks up on them while they're eating on somebody or just, just whatever, they've got something that conceals their face. But Uda, the mask maker, is super fucking cool. We've already touched on that. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know if this was him just bullshitting somebody, but in one of the episodes, he does explain that his black eyes, uh, it's black tattoo ink. It's not the actual ghoul black in his eyes all the time. Because he does walk around in season three a bunch, just all out in the open, and his eyes are tattooed black. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Is, he not a, is he a ghoul? Yeah. Then why... Well, I mean, that's his own weird mask, I guess. Like, um, like he does have a, a legitimate mask, but whenever he walks around in public, his eyes are still black and red. So he's got red contacts and um, tattooed his eyeballs black. And like that's a that's a possible thing. Like you see it. Oh yeah. Uh, Ken, Ken, uh, and me uh, start to bond over books. Uh, so they're. They kind of start this relationship that we'll see blossom throughout the series. Um, he's helping her. Uh, she, she's reading one of his favorite books. And then she's asking, you know, what does the symbol mean? Um, so he's kind of like teaching her um, how, to, how to read the books and shit. But enter the amazingly dressed Shu Skiyama, or the gourmet ghoul, as uh, most people will refer to him. And that kind of cliffhangs the series right there. I thought he was going to be like hot shit and like, you know, the big bad of the series the first time I watched this episode. And then like, it couldn't be further from the truth. Like I didn't realize that he was going to be super weird either until episode four. Yeah. And so uh, just as a little tidbit, they refer to him as Shuusama in the, um, the Japanese uh, dialogue uh, because his family is uh, really fucking rich. Yes, he comes from a very rich family. That's like a whole other weird fucking story arc mm-hmm. that happens later on. You'll you'll get to see that later, but uh, just a little backstory. Uh, like if you, for some reason, are listening to this and have never watched an episode of Tokyo Ghoul and you don't know who Shu is. Um, I would like to imagine that the show gets so <laughs> popular that people do end up watching the show with us as they are listening to the podcast. That'd, That'd be, be interesting. Amazing. So, episode four, Supper. Kaneki befriends Tsukiyama, and the two start hanging out, you know. However, little does Kaneki know that Tsukiyama is preparing a mortal trap for him. So, like, right where we left off with him in the coffee shop, immediately he just starts sniffing 
<laughs> Kaneki. And then it's like out. a dog in heat or something. <laughs> He's so weird. Um, and then like, just like you put in your notes, just like the freak he is, days later runs into Kaneki at school. You know, like quote unquote runs in. Yeah, and- super predator <laughs> mode. This grown ass man just happens to run into him at his school, and he <laughs> pull up with a white van. He just he littered him with candy. Like, hey, here's this candy bar. You want to come hang out with me on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> All nonchalant, like it's a date. Yeah, yeah. yeah he definitely uses so, books um, like their candy bars to a child to lure Ken into hanging out with him. Um, it's just like, I'm sorry, but at this point, Kaneki deserves to be eaten. Like you're super dumb. Yeah, he's so dumb. And then like they have this little tea party thing, but it's coffee because they're ghouls. Um, <laughs> and then he just, you know. Well, before, He's so weird. Before they hang out, the manager does instruct uh, Kaneki to go hang out with uh, Yomo. He takes him off to start teaching him some fighting. Uh, as the ghoul activity is, you know, on the on the rise, they know that obviously they want to be training anyone who does not know how to fight. So <laughs> the quote is uh, from Yomo is he's a he's a natural at dodging, but sucks at everything else. So, so he basically just whips his ass. Um, and then after that, fast forward is whenever Kaneki and Tsukiyama start hanging out. Uh, at first, they're at this, um, it's basically a coffee place, I guess. Um, and then he reveals, he kind of tricks Kaneki into becoming, I guess, the main course of a gourmet party. He's kind of like, Hey, if you want to know more about Rize, I can take you to her favorite spots and her favorite, but like, okay, there's a scene where he's taking a shower at the, at her favorite spots. He's like, I wonder why I have to take a shower before we do what we do. This place is super fancy. He wants some fresh ass. And I'm sitting here screaming like, what are you fucking doing? (laughs) So if that was me and I was a 16 year old boy and some weird guy said, Hey, go take a shower. I would take a hike. The first thing I would assume is there's a camera in that shower. Some shit. And he's something. Just, he's so little, weird. Little boy booty. <laughs> like whenever I think back as a teenager, it did it didn't take much to send red flags and make me go, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. It really didn't. Like any little this old dude's a fucking freak show vibe I got. I would have been the fuck out of there. And mm-hmm. I grew up in, I mostly grew up in Cleveland, Tennessee. Trust me, that shit's around. There's a guy in a, okay, let's not out the guy in the wheelchair in, in Cleveland, but he was a pedophile. So he did talk to me one time and I was like, that dude's a fucking freak. And then like wow. five years later, he was in the newspaper for touching boys. So like, I don't know. My fucking radar is pretty on dot. Kaneki, you're a fucking idiot. Anyways. <laughs> So he is stuck there. Uh, he's like lifted up on that platform, and then it's revealed to everybody that he's going to be their main dish for the night. They open this door, and there's this big, huge butcher gimp-looking dude that's supposed to "quote unquote" prepare Kaneki for the feast. He was sent by Big Mama. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't she change her appearance? Change later on for some reason. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Randomly, Kaneki displays a feet of strength basically and then he reveals that he is a rare one-eyed ghoul to the crowds um up until this point uh Skiyama did not know that mm-hmm. uh, so he cancels the gourmet party and seemingly wants Kaneki to himself and tries to convince Kaneki that this was just one big joke this is just one big joke taken out gotcha. of context whoopsies but really he just wants to be the only one that gets to experience Kaneki this is the beginning of a very long and serious obsession. Yes. So it, so it only weird. gets worse for sure. But we get to episode five. Anything else for episode four? It was kind of self-explanatory, I feel. Yeah, it feels it feels like it was, you know, like that's a solid ending to it. Yeah. So we get to episode five, Scars, intending to consume Kaneki himself. Skiyama prepares another trap for him using Nishiki's human girlfriend as a hostage. So Ken wakes up on a couch somehow. 
Um, don't fucking know how to explain that. Uh, Toka has called out sick, and the manager asks Kaneki to go check on her. This leads to more scenes of Kaneki bonding with Hinami, and there's a funny scene where Toka thinks that... Um, oh, Toka's friend comes to visit to make sure that Toka's okay, and then there's like this misconception that Toka and Kaneki are hooking up, and she gets mad and runs off. What would you say, Tori, that she was jealous? <laughs> like you're, you're completely convinced that they're lesbians, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, I would know. That's okay. her best friend, okay? The best friend in That's quotation. Friend. <laughs> I, I could, yeah, I'm just going to leave that one. Okay. <laughs> so Why else jealous. would she get jealous? I mean, besides the fact that maybe she has a boy in her apartment, it's like, oh, I'm not with a dude yet, but come on. I, mean, I can see that. They're in high school. She wants, so like, she wants to be more than friends. I feel like that you've got a solid case that they're gay, but um. <laughs> Why else would she? Never mind. I don't even know if that's well, a part of it. But Toka does reveal that she's forcing herself to eat human foods, and exactly. Toka's but- friend brings by food, and she's like something of a chef. Um, so Toka feels like she owes it to her to eat her food whenever she brings. Like she's like bringing her like some five star shit to school. Like I think uh, there was like a whole sushi bowl at, in one of these episodes at some point. Um, but yeah, she's like forcing herself to eat the food out of respect and it's, you know, in return, obviously making her sick. And she tries not to throw, to throw it up. So I'm just proving my case here. She's a super good friend. They're in love. Friend. (laughs) She wants to tongue punch her fart box or whatever. This is the episode that I liked niche. Yeah. That really draw me to him as a kid. what, what, what What made you, what made you like him more? Um, that he's going through all this shit to, well, we haven't even discussed it yet, but he's going through all this shit to save his girlfriend and she's a human yep. and it's just super fucking sweet. Like they sacrifice things for each other and it's just fucking precious. If there's anything that this show does really well, it's character build. Yeah. So like it, it'll, it'll make you like any, any character they try to make you like. And no, I, I'm I not going to like pedo guy. Sorry. <laughs> We'll at this point. Let's, no, let's, let's get we'll through season three and then we'll come back to that at some point. But um, so Skiyama plots his next feast. He wants to eat Kaneki while Kaneki eats another human. Some weird human eating centipede shit. That's going so on weird. Here. But uh, it's, Kaneki, it's like a ritual too. It's got candles and everything. Yeah, it's like even in a church too. Like it's super weird. He is ready. <laughs> It just makes me wonder, like, how many times have you done this, Mr. Skiyama? I guess it's the gourmet part, you know. It has to be the fanciest meal, so it's in a church with a bunch of candles. There you go. While He's a like a gay guy. They person. have to go all out. He is French and fancy. But, um, <laughs> Kaneki saves Nishiki from a group of guys using, uh, using the training that Yama's been, been teaching him. Uh, Ken meets Nishiki's human girlfriend. So this is the first reveal that Nishiki has a human girlfriend. So it kind of gives Kaneki hope. Like, because it's kind of like been told to him that you can't be close to humans. It's not possible. It doesn't work that way. And here is a living example of a human and a ghoul getting along, knowing each other, you know, knowing the secret of him being a ghoul. And it's working. So they have some conversations in part ways, Nishi's uh, girlfriend is kind of like asking him to help because at this point, Nishi's really weak. He's unable to do very much. So she asks him to, you know, secure, I guess, some food for him. So he goes back to Anteku to grab some human flesh for Nishiki. But while he's doing that, we get a scene where Nishiki gets abducted by Skiyama in order to lure Kaneki to him. So... She is the human part to this weird fucking centipede-eating weird thing that he wants to do. The centipede comes later. So Nishiki and Kaneki decide to work together to save his girlfriend. Uh, there's a lots of fighting after they arrive. Skiyama outpowers them easily until Toka shows up to land the first blow on him, like literally whipping both of their ass at the same time. And the first person to land a blow is Toka. So, flashback scene shows Nishiki 
this is what you were referring to. So Nishki has an, a pretty rough upbringing. It's him and his sister. Eventually his sister does die, leaving him alone. And this creates that hard outer shell that we've all seen up until this point. And then eventually he does meet his girlfriend. His girlfriend does figure out that he is a ghoul and then she still accepts him. So like he does all he can to not have that come out to her. And she does find out at one point, I think he's like super weak or something. And he reveals it. She's okay with it. And also lets him bite her, I guess. How does she not turn into a ghoul? Are we not playing zombie rules? Yeah, no, it's not zombie rules. Um, There's two ways that you can be turned into a ghoul that we know of in the show. Uh, but one of them doesn't happen until season three. So uh, the first one is be having an organ implanted and you can turn a human into a half human, half ghoul. But as far as turning into a full ghoul, that's something we learn about later. Okay. Yeah. Like I remember watching that scene going, oh, that's weird. And then I just totally just didn't even think about it again. But um, she like totally lets him take a bite out of her in order to save his life. So it's like they're, pretty inseparable at this point so that's kind of like the backstory that builds like oh shit okay Nishiki's not so bad I guess but towards the end of this episode Toka takes a bite out of Kaneki this is Kaneki's plan and that powers her up and that kind of cliffhangs the episode out and that ends episode 5 for us so therefore ending our episode closing notes on episode 5 it's pretty solid I think or closing notes on the, the whole podcast episode I guess yeah how are you feeling about the show so far, Tori? I like it. Who's your favorite character? Honestly, it's a tie between Toka and Nishiki. So really? Far. Yeah. I figured Nishiki would be like your least favorite besides weird dude. So uh, my favorite character is probably Hide because yeah, he experiences a lot in the whole show in general. But in these first five episodes, you really see how good of a friend he is. And how worried he is about his friend. He, he He's like the perfect friend. Like, and no matter what, like, no matter what happens, he's always so positive, so supportive. He is awesome. Um, I mean, I like Skiyama a lot, but Udo, he's probably my favorite from these first couple episodes. He's not really done much, but I find him to be the most interesting besides Skiyama. Who? The mask maker. Uta. Oh, yeah. I forgot Uta. about him. I like him, too. Yeah, he's pretty cool. But as far as like like the main characters go, I mean, I don't know. Like it, We're not very far into this series yet, but yeah, pretty solid first five episodes. All right. So that's going to end episodes, this episode of the podcast. Uh, so we just covered episodes one through five. So next week, we are hitting Tokyo Ghoul Part 2. That'll encapsulate episodes six through ten. But housekeeping notes on the way out. Intro outro song is I Just Want to Be Great by NFX. Join the Facebook group. Link in bio. Take a second to leave that five-star review on Spotify or whatever podcast platform you're using. Send us voicemails. It could be a question, a statement, a dad joke. Doesn't matter. We'll play it on the show eventually. Our new logo is made by Blue Room Media. Brandon, tell us about Blue Room Media. So Blue Room Media offers a variety of services from music videos, lyric videos, and things of that nature to 3D animation. Uh, We use both 3D and 2D software. And if you have a video need, hit us up. All right. So that's going to close us out. Thank you, Brandon, for coming onto the show. He's going to be the mainstay. We're going to be a three-person crew from here on out. Yeah, yeah, boy. Uh, And if you want to throw this in there. Uh, the Japanese word of the day is Aishiteru. It means I love you. Because we hey. love our fans. How do you say that? Aishiteru. 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 Sounds like I said, I shit in a room. <laughs> yes, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how you say it. You say, I, I shit, shit in a room. room. I shit in a room. There we go. But, um, <laughs> f- a little fun fact. Uh, whenever I put my kids to sleep, I always say, oh, yeah, sumi nasai, ice through, which means good night. I love you. Oh, that's super sweet. And they say it back. No way. Logan said ice to you the other day. So (laughs) (laughs) it's It's great. great. 
We will see you bitches next week. See ya.